let's talk about things we're going to talk about. We should talk about things. Well, the thing is, there's not much news this week, which is kind of great in the gaming world. There's not, like, some huge controversy. We finally got time to play all these amazing games that came out recently. I feel like there's been, uh, like, Horizon Zero Dawn came out, and then immediately, like, Mass Effect came out, mm-hmm. and there's just been so many amazing, huge games, and there's no way to play them all. And then this week, it's just like... Ah, let's have a breather. Let's not release a game for like a week. Because, yeah, I got Horizon Zero Dawn. I still haven't played it. It, I installed it, and then Mass Effect came, and I started playing that. And then Zelda is a thing in my life, and I started playing that. And then I went back to Overwatch again, like I always do. There's so much stuff. (laughs) You can't escape. No. There's so many good games. And it's good to have time to play them before the Easter sale, when I'm sure. uh, I don't know if new games will drop, but I'm sure there'll be a some price drops and sales all over for um in america we're going on spring break uh over easter oh. so there's going to be sales i bet this coming weekend more than likely there's, there'll be a i've bunch got of stuff. no inside information other than historical data <laughs> you're just following the trends <laughs> spring just, sales yes that is generally how it will occur and then i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say there's probably gonna be a summer sale what i know i hate to be a shocker Gwen, but, uh, you have shocked me. Now, speaking of, you know, us not really having a ton gaming news-wise to talk about, I uh, I prepped some questions of things that maybe the audience might want to know, but more I want to know uh, just about your process and the way you do things. How's that sound to you, Gwen? That sounds... I mean, I like I like talking. I can talk. You do like You've, talking. I, I'm nervous. I didn't realize there would be like a Q&A thing, but let's... Uh... There is. Uh, this is now going to be a legit interview with Gwen Frey. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm mm. ready. Lay it on okay. me. Talking point number one, Gwen. Mm-hmm. When working on a new game, where do you draw inspiration? Oh, my God. Are you reading this? This sounds like you're reading I'm this. I'm reading this. Holy I'm shit. Re- I wrote this down, Gwen. Okay. So the question was, when working on a new game... Where do you draw inspiration for your animations? Or just in general, not no. necessarily when working on a new game. But, no, I mean, you know. I, I tend to be... I mean, This is highly topical. I'm starting a new game now. Mm-hmm. It's hush-hush audience. It's almost as if I know. <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, but and I've started new games in the past. So where do I draw inspiration from? I guess, oh, like, where do you get inspiration from art? It kind of comes from everywhere. I think the best characters in video games tend to... Um, have very strong style guides and a very strong vision behind them that also drives mm. their animation. So let's talk about Raz. That's the easiest. Raz. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, if we, we can get specific with it. Yeah. Okay. So I was working with Double Fine on Psychonauts 2 at one point for just a couple mm. months. Um, and Raz is really easy because Raz's backstory is he's an acrobat. And if you want to know how to animate Raz you, and you want inspiration, you just pull up videos of the circus and you look at what acrobats are doing and you look at how they move through the world and you kind of take down notes and you find little things you like and you try to incorporate those little moments into your animation and into your acting choices. I know um, uh, in, in game animation, there's kind of like a rift between the people that work on cinematics and the people that work on on in-game stuff uh because mm. like you're especially for a player character you're very constrained you can't really have a lot of really long animations um at any moment the player could turn uh jump fly like do whatever it is you let the player do um and so you don't have a lot of time to put too much character in there but you 
you do like your your idle pose uh the way you run the the way a character moves through the world can can be heavily influenced by things like i am an acrobat um mm. and things like uh i i was animating raz uh climbing raz was had a point where he was going to climb and then he was going to slide down a ladder and i was looking mm. through and i i couldn't find like a good reference of an acrobat doing that and at first i started just animating like a human being climbing a ladder but that's boring i mean it's mm. raz so what i actually found was um this is more a, a circus uh feat that you would see in i don't know what to call it uh uh i i found a bunch of acrobats climbing a pole basically uh-huh. or um <clears throat> they they would kind of like jump up and climb a pole and then slide down a pole uh and i i like that a lot more and i i kind of just had raz treat the ladder like a pole and eventually i think we actually made it mm. a pole like raz climbs and, and slides down a pole instead of a ladder um and there's other things like not everything uh, i think all animators draw from their personal experiences as well i mean you always mm. kind of put yourself into your artwork right um so like I, I bring this up because I, I uh, this is kind of a secret, but if you've been following anything for Psychonauts 2, there's, you can see Raz in the levitation ball. And when he's on the levitation ball, he's in uh, tree pose in yoga. I do yoga. I guess that's where I'm going. Oh, okay. I practice yoga sometimes. I was like, tree pose. Was like... So in in the old game, Raz was just kind of like chilling on the top of the level ball in his standard idle animation. In the new game... Because I sneak random yoga poses into every character I can. Uh, Raz is standing on one foot with his other foot pressed against his thigh and his arms straight out in, in what, what's ah. called tree pose. And that is the thing I do. I try to sneak random yoga poses into any character. And I really... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. And I really hope that actually goes all the way through. That's like my little inside joke with myself. Uh, That's cool. Did, I mean, we'll get on to the flame and the flood in a bit. But, like... You worked on Bioshock, obviously, so is there any secret oh, no. <laughs> hidden yoga? So in Bioshock, we had a much larger team, um, and because that was a ah. AAA game. So I actually didn't do much animation on that. Back then, when you're on a larger team, you kind of um, specialize a lot more. And my special team oh, was okay. always rigging and technical animation and, and things like that. So I was doing... <clears throat> I, I was doing things like uh, setting up Liz's skirt, doing the animation blending in game, working with the animators. I, I always did the more technical stuff because it, you know, pays uh. better and, and it's, it's also fun. It's challenging. It, it, it changes each day. But I will say, yes, I, I've snuck things oh. in on Bioshock Infinite. I mostly, uh, my big thing on Bioshock was, uh, and this is true in a couple other games too, I always... Um, Look for the opportunity to rig and animate critters just to break it up because I spend so much of my career working in humanoids and bipeds that if mm. I get the opportunity to, if I find a squirrel mesh and it exists anywhere on like in in the Perforce Depot like or, or some animal, <laughs> like I will rig it and I will animate it and I'll, I'll sneak it into the game. And so, yeah, for um, <clears throat> when you're walking around Paris, there's uh, these there's i believe 11 cats placed around snipe the uh level designer for paris the dlc was just like how many like you have you animated a cat shit and he put 11 
into that. <laughs> like, there's cats. Well, we're going to need a lot of cats. Yeah. Like, uh, so I animate things like, because it's fun to animate critters. I love animating critters. So, like, I animated mm. a cat kind of, like, scratching its back against stuff. And um, uh, what else? For Burial at Sea, I really wanted a challenge. So I, f- uh, uh, and I, I mean, we're all people. So I, I was chatting with Scott mm-hmm. Decat. And he uh, really, like, he's a concept artist who's incredible, who's gone on to work on Grim Dawn and a bunch of other amazing titles as the art director. Um, nice. But he wanted to do some 3D modeling, and so he modeled, like, a turtle, and he was really excited to model a turtle. And I was like, well, what about an octopus? And he was like, oh, I could do that. And so he modeled an octopus. An octopus is the single most pain in the ass, irritating thing to animate in the world. Like, Well, yeah, doesn't, like, everything on an octopus move? Because oh it doesn't God. have a skeleton? Yeah, like, rigging it. I, I wanted the challenge. I wanted to like rig a creature that could use could take a limb and simultaneously pull itself or push itself with the limb or have the limb kind of be an FK. And I thought it would be and it was fun to rig. And then I got to animating it moving. And I was just like, wow, this is time consuming. This is a pain <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> like <laughs> that is a that's just eight limbs to manage just to move through the world and making a loop. Like a looping, moving animation where an octopus is yeah. crawling in the ground. I think Snite snuck that in twice. Once he had a giant octopus over you, uh, like oh, nice. in the glass, and once he had it in an aquarium. So this is me just oh, God, geeking that's... out about like the random. No, yeah, no, that's got to be so hard because you think about it, it's like, oh, octopus, right? It's just got you know all these limbs and they move around. It's like, yeah, but it all moves a purpose, right? Like, everything that's happening is happening for a reason, so you gotta get that right. Yeah. But also, yeah. like I say, it doesn't even have a skeleton, so how are you gonna... <laughs> you can't rig it in the usual way. Oh no, man, I just... I wanted a challenge, and I knew it'd be hard, but... Man, that was a challenge. Getting the, the limbs <laughs> to, to, like... I don't even know how octopuses do it. Like, they, so, they don't collide... Like, their limbs, obviously, you don't want them to collide with each other, and you want it to, like... Mm. Man, that was a that was fun. That was a fun little challenge. That's awesome. I mean, like, like a lot of random things. I you want to know inspiration when you're at a large studio Did or yeah. even a small studio. Every now and then you're like, I just want to do something ridiculously hard to see if I can. And so I would come up with things like uh, in the last game, the Flame and the Flood. I I was talking with our uh, AI programmer Damian, and I'm like, you know what the hardest creature is to do? A snake. Mm. Uh, just because. If you think about it, I mean, uh, how to when a snake turns, like the back half of its body can't turn. You don't want it to just, like you, if the pill turns in place, you don't, like say the head turns on a snake. You want the rest of the body to kind of follow along a path. And how would you mm. actually structure that and make it work? And it seems like the simplest thing in the world, but it's actually really, really complicated an engine to make a creature like a snake. Where you have so many yeah. points of contact with the ground, and those, and there's some like snakes kind of do move their bodies a little bit, but for the most part, they're following up kind of a path, but not entirely. How do you make a snake look good and not mechanical and terrible? Um, and how do you make a snake turn properly in place? And and I was thinking through all these things with him, and and we we uh, decided to put a snake in the flame of the flood, but we we didn't have time to like do pathing text. So I came up with some other bullshit easier solutions but which i actually made youtube video i made a youtube video about that and that was uh 
one of my least popular YouTube videos because people don't give a shit. But it was one that I'm like the most proud of. So I'm like, I solved the snake. I solved the oh, man, look, There's a whole game that's just come out. That snake pass. Yeah. And a big, a big conversation piece about that is how you make a snake move. I know. I, I watched a whole little video about Dude, that. Dude, it's such a fun little tech demo. That's that game is literally a tech demo to me in my heart and soul. I was really, uh, I, I would, I saw that and I smiled. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's such a ridiculous. I, I feel like a tech artist or an animation programmer was like, yo, you know what's really hard? A snake. Let's just make that the game. Player snake. And then they did it. I was so happy. God, that. Yeah, apparently I, I got to. Uh, we had a couple of the guys uh, that worked on the game up on the stage at PAX East. And that, that was one of the things we discussed, which was like. A big part of this game was figuring out a snake. Because <laughs> you'd think, you know, okay, snake. But it's like, no, no, snake's really complicated. And you've got to spend a lot of time figuring out how a snake moves around a thing. And it doesn't just move in a, sh like, you're going to go slower if you go in a straight line. You have to sort of do that little twisty thing snakes do in order to get the muscles moving correctly. Yeah. And, and that's, you know. All sorts of stuff. It's hard as a developer because you, Part of your brain is like, yeah, I'm going to solve snakes. I'm going to make that good. And then some like <laughs> producer, somebody has to come down and be like, yeah, how are you going to make money off that? Nobody wants to play your fucking tech demo. I feel like VR is a lot <laughs> of that. VR is a lot of people who are really excited about technology and want to make tech demos. And yeah. Have no plan for how it's like how to make it a fun user experience. Oh, that. Yeah, that's PC VR. That We've had that discussion before where I'm like, oh, Sony. The reason I'm excited about Sony and Microsoft doing it is because they're going to worry about the user experience yeah. and people buying their games. <laughs> so it's like, they got to be good. Whereas, yeah, like you say, on PC, you can just release it yourself on Steam and it's just like tiny little weird demo thing. Or just, I, it's so tempting as a developer to come up with these these challenges for yourself um, that logically, I, I mean, how much value did it add to the game that there was an octopus that crawled along the ceiling? And when you consider that I probably mostly in my free time but i burned some hours on that like we're talking a developer mm. lost two weeks making this octopus <laughs> just making an octopus uh, it, like no producer is gonna look at that and be like that was worthwhile uh <laughs> how much did that she cost for two weeks yeah. worth it <laughs> this game doesn't work without the octopus so, <laughs> it, it, but on the other hand it's those you need a certain amount of that to make a game good. Like those little moments, yeah. those moments where Snite decided to like stay late one night and he built a little room in Boardwalk and Bioshock Infinite uh, where you uh, when you go in from the bottom floor to the top floor, there's this little room that you can crawl into. And if you crawl into that room, there's a, a doll sitting at a table and there's it, it looks like somebody was having a tea party with a doll, but there's a cigarette mm. And it looks like a grown man was having a tea party with a doll. He kind of came up with this whole story and made this secret little Easter egg room and just slapped it into the game. And, you know, logically, probably not worth the money. Logically, like, not every player saw that. Probably 5% of players saw it, but the 5% that did probably thought it was cool. And maybe that will... Yeah. And, and because that can exist and you can find it, it makes the whole game better because people went off the rails and did things like that, you know? It makes the it makes it feel like a world rather than a tiny little experience that you're going through. It does make it feel like you're in a place with things that you can find that aren't trying to interact with you. They're just there existing. Yeah, I just there's things you can't put into a schedule. There's things that 
uh, developers just have to be excited sometimes and just go off the rails and go do something. Uh, and I know producers hate that, but like it, it's just gotta. You need a certain <laughs> amount of experimentation, I think. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, moving away from uh, work you've done with like uh, Double Fine and you know, working on Bioshock, you get to The Flame in the Flood, which is a game you're making yourself. Now, there's no style guide set up right. for your game. So, where did your inspirations come for that? So I I'm I'm not gonna say I did the best job on the flame and the flood. I actually wish I yeah it was terrible. Yeah, Glenn. It was, we we all know like that. that. I go back and I look at the animation and I kind of <laughs> cringe. Um, I sorry, I just enjoyed that brief moment of being like, yeah, it was really yeah. bad, Gwen. You're like, oh wait, no, you're not meant to agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, go ahead, go it ahead, was but... fine. I I think um, where did I get inspiration from? So, like to start off with, I. I like I said, you put yourself in your art. A lot of Scout, the player character, was just me acting it out. <laughs> figuring mm, out, like, That's a big part of animation, as far as I can tell. Things of animators talking into mirrors or filming themselves talking and moving around and then just using that as reference. Or just, you go through the you go through the motions and you feel which muscles you need to tense to do different things. And that helps inform things. Um, huh. I started... Um, the... After the Flame and the Flood, I actually started doing more and more hiking and camping. Um, mm. And so I hope uh, to work on another game someday that has more survival stuff. Because I feel like I could... I have so many little acting choices and little things that I would throw in now. Um, just the weight of the weight of a bag when you're exhausted versus when you're not exhausted. And, and the way you move through the world, I think I, w- I would change certain certain acting choices. But when you're, when you're mm. starting out a character, um, I guess... You're right. If you're starting out a character and there's no style guide, you kind of come up with a style guide. Um, yeah. And it can be if you have something like Raz, where it's it's like I want an acrobat. That that helps a lot for someone like Scout. Um, we didn't really have such a clear cut role, uh, so mm. we just started out making different rules. Like she's, what is she not? Well, she's not a superhero. Um, she's curious. She's cautious. Um, how old is she? We never wanted to give an age. We're like, well, she's mm. um, old enough to be this, but not an old lady. Uh, like, yeah. she's kind of, uh, she's physically fit, but she's not a superhero. She's, um, mm. uh, we basically came up with a bunch of adjectives that describe her. And from those adjectives, I'd kind of come up with different, um, different acting choices. I felt, I mean, when you're on an indie game, you don't have a lot of time to go back and redo things. Uh, you kind of like your first take is the take. Uh, and so I wish I had put more style into her, more character into her. And for the next game, I'm hoping like the playable characters have a lot more, panache like a lot more um they feel unique they feel different i don't feel like i I achieved that as much with her as i would have liked um and and uh part of it is technical constraints i don't know if this is so much true for scout A, a lot of technical constraints for for me will drive acting choices sometimes Mm. Uh, because i'm i'm working on in-game animation stuff um what's a good example uh, this might be different because I'm more of a technical person, but I tend to get things in engine and figure out how I want them to blend first, and then I'll I'll really polish the animation, and I'll sometimes tune the acting choices to fit that. Like uh, for the dog, 
Um, I really didn't want to do turn in place animations or anything like that. And so I started out just like, okay, the dog just needs to have, needs to be like a bouncing ball and it needs to have all of its limbs off the ground at this point. And, uh, and I'll just make sure that the dog does a little hop every time he stops moving and, and that kind of, mm. that's how we got this little prancy dog that follows you around. It was mostly just yeah. to, it, it was technical constraints. I didn't have time to animate a lot of, an, a lot of stuff with the dog. I couldn't make like the fallout dog. Like it had to be, I had to do Aesop the dog in like, God, three weeks. And so I just needed it to be wow. very few animations so I could do it, you know? Mm. that makes sense yeah so so i guess it's a combination of the inspiration for the flame of the flood largely they were technical constraints it was things me trying to the snake was definitely me trying to show off that i could do a snake uh mm. the uh scout was largely just um I, I think a lot of the flame of the flood was me getting used to being an animator actually because i've been yeah i i haven't animated full-time and i still don't animate full-time uh, but like I, I haven't been uh, my primary role has not been an animator ever in my career. I've always been the rigor tech mm. artist. Um, animation was always something I put maybe 5% of my time into maybe if they let me. <laughs> so, yeah. So this was uh, this is me getting used to just one oh one animation again in a big way. Mm. Now was now was that just basically because of the size of the team you had, or was that a conscious choice on your part? Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, it was the size of the team. When you have a larger team, you specialize more. When you're a smaller team, uh, you specialize less. Uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, like you you have to do a lot of yeah. things. Like yeah. I do our finances, mm-hmm. um, and I do our animation, uh, and I do all the animation. And it just so happens like, uh, there's a lot of animation to do in that game. So, I, I mean. <laughs> Usually, so at a studio, you'll have maybe a ratio of one rigger to like three or four animators, um, mm. possibly quite a bit more, depending, uh, trying to think like, yeah, I, I feel like there's been one, one rigger slash tech artist to about four animators seems to be about the ratio. So it's been about when you say in a rigger. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I know what a rigger is. Like the person that creates the skeleton and how things are gonna work. Is that kind of a rigger? Yeah. So you put the uh the yeah, skeleton in a character, uh and you um create a user interface for the animator to work with, and then there's a lot of things figuring out like uh <clears throat> face effects. How are we gonna procedurally animate um thousands of lines of dialogue? Uh, how are mm. we going to, um, how are we, the run cycle is half a second, but we need a character to blink, obviously. Uh, we can't have the character blink every half a second. We need to have it be a little more random than that. How are we going <laughs> to, it's a lot of blinking. Yeah, how are we going to layer on blinking? How is blinking going to work? How are we going to have an emotion system where the, the character blinks um, more frequently when scared? Or do we have a, figuring out all the systems that go into a game? Um, okay. Things like that. Uh, figuring out your in-game IK, your uh, all the all the nuts and bolts that go into putting something in the game would be tech art. Yeah. So it seems like in terms of inspiration for you, it's 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 it sounds like it's a lot more functional than it is the sort of artisticy kind of 
and I'm trying artistically isn't the right word. No, it's not you're, even a word. you're right. But like it's definitely yeah, something you, you know what I mean, yeah. right? Like it's not you sit there and look out a window and go, Oh, I'm inspired. It's more I I needed to get this to do this. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's uh I there's I, I don't want to talk about like imposter syndrome because that feels like a cliche to talk about, but I go and I hang out with these animators and they'll talk about um mm. how they'll they'll show off like, yeah, I was watching uh, this performer live on stage and Britney Spears did this hair flip thing and now I'm gonna put mm. that in my animation whereas for yeah. and there's times when that happens but for the most part I'm anytime I'm animating I'm doing something that I'm like oh I wanna I wanna do this because it's hard technically or I want to yeah figure out an interesting technical solution for this and then the animation is the thing I do afterwards to prove that this could actually work and I think that just that's like a side yeah. effect of me being a tech artist before I am an I animator. I guess so, right? Yeah. That sounds like that's more your sensibility than, like you say, 5% of your time is dedicated to like 101 animation, as you put it. Then, yeah, I guess you, you're coming from a tech standpoint. It is much more of that tech puzzle that you're kind of figuring out. Totally. And I mean, it, it, uh, it pays off, I think. I think I do... I, I enjoy it a great deal. Uh, there's times when I wish... Mm. Okay, so I wish I was more the traditional animator when I'm doing things like a trailer. So when you sit down to make yeah. a trailer, that's just animation. And it's mm. tedious. And it takes me forever. And I oh, hate really? doing it. Uh, everyone else loves it. Like, this is what... <laughs> it's... I, I feel like most animators, if you said, hey, you know what? For once, you're not going to worry about game constraints. You're not going to worry about how this is going to work out or how you're going to blend these animations yeah. together. Just animate. Most animators would just cry with joy, right? And with me, yeah. it's just like... you can make it look as beautiful as you want or as crazy as you want and you don't have to worry about it making any sense. <laughs> but that's where I'm really not at the level where I'm competitive. Do you understand? Like, mm. I'm not good at that. And people yeah. like doing things they're good at. And so I hate <laughs> Generally. it. Right? Like, I hate that. I hate... <laughs> The idea of making a trailer and we're in a place right now where we're um like we're we're early high concept in the next game so it's like just figure out how something should move and i'm like immediately into the engine and they're like no just figure it out yeah you know in my <laughs> no <laughs> nah that ain't how we're gonna do no, things that's kids not, <laughs> like... that's not my process that's not how it's gonna happen here i'm sorry mm. uh but but uh you say are you looking to get better at that side of thing or is it not something that really drives you at all like you say that's an excellent question i'd like to be better at it but the reality is like it takes a lot of t i i respect animators and i know how long mm. it takes to really hone that craft and hone that skill and i say this like i'm not an animator i am technically whatever an animator but like uh, it takes <laughs> i would say you are yeah uh it, it takes the difference what they say it takes uh 20% of the time to get 80% of the way there and that last 20% yeah. takes 80% of your time uh it takes the diff the delta between someone like me and someone like Dave Gibson someone who's mm. like top of the industry animating as an anim like as a lead animator somewhere at uh, like the delta is huge the the time you have to put in to to get that good is huge uh yeah. and do I want to invest that time? Nah. <laughs> like, just between you and me and the audience, like, I'm not, it's not what I'm good at. And I'm, I would much rather 
if I own this company, I'd much rather figure out things technically. And then if we need a trailer and we have the money someday, hopefully when we're like big time, I would rather mm. pay someone who loves to do that to do that. Because I know so yeah. many people that love to do that and are so much better than me that it, there's just it's just not. Um, I don't want to say it's not worthwhile. It's just not an aspiration I have. No, it's not. No, the, it's not where you, your skill set. You, I always see it with stuff like because people will say things to me like, "Oh, well, why don't you? I don't know, do voice acting or something like that." And it's the same thing, right? It's like it's kind of in a similar wheelhouse, but it's also like I've invested so much time into getting good at what I do that to then pull back and be like, "Okay, I'm now going to try and get good at this kind of thing." It's just going to take time, and I'm not going to be as good, and it's um, it's it's just going to take too long. Yeah. Like, I'm going to spend too much time and mental energy on a thing. And also, like you say, it's something that you're not... It doesn't if you were, make you go, oh, shit, I've got to do that now. Exactly. Like, if you were passionate about it and you wanted to be a voice actor, then that, yeah. that time spent would be, like, it would be super, super worth it, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And I am passionate about animation. It's just in a different direction. Like, I would rather yeah. figure things out technically. I would rather come up with a clever solution uh, and, and work with other animators. I really like working with other people. Um, yeah. So being a, a like, top-end film cinematic animator, I, I want to be definitely good enough that I don't let down the team. Uh, yeah, well, you know, obviously. And, yeah. You don't want to suck. <laughs> I do not want to suck. We can elaborate more on these topics if you've enjoyed them, or we can talk about something completely different. Please feel free to suggest that we've got a Twitter dialogue box cast. You can contact us there, or you can just contact me at Chris Slight or at Dia Goldfish, though she tends to go on Twitter like once a week or something like that, whereas I am on Twitter all the time. <laughs> I think true. we are literally the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to social media. <laughs> I'm there all day. Don't you worry. I answer questions. So yeah, you can get us If there. you message me, I'll answer a question. If you at Dire Goldfish. <laughs> it has been known to occur. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Light, and you have been in the Dialogue Box. <laughs>